0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Believe in Mavs with Alex Tisopoulos. Toss, uh, as you know me, but this time I am not joined by Raymond Felton, and this time it's not just Believe in Mavs. It's Believe in Mavs crossover episode with Small Market Bias, a Spurs podcast, the host of that show, Matthew Tynan. Matt, how are you, man? How's everything going after I'm good. That, after that game last night? I know it didn't go y'all's way, but I thought it was a fun game for both teams and a great game to end NBA Wednesday yesterday.
1: Oh yeah, man. It was it was nuts. And honestly, like the the experience itself, it's been a while since I've covered like playoff atmospheres in San Antonio and that felt like one based solely on the fact that I mean, we were told that there were more than 200 people credentialed for that game. And wow. and it almost had like a finals feel because there was such a large international media contingent. So, yeah, it was just it was it was it was wild. It was a lot of fun. Everyone was it's the it's the loudest I've seen that building in, in years. So just in general, the product was great. I think now we, we've started even like we're recording at whatever, 550 central time. Even in the last like half hour, ESPN is like releasing has been releasing their viewership numbers and they were through the roof. So like, yeah, the whole atmosphere that we've felt as a collective, so to speak, when it comes to Victor Wimbenyama was certainly reflected in that building. And it definitely helped that it was the Dallas Mavericks in town. And as always, as always, a bunch of a bunch of Mavs jerseys, a bunch of Mavs folks. I even saw a lady in a in a Dirk Nowitzki Dallas Cowboys jersey. And, uh, so, it, so everybody was out. Yeah, it was, it was a, a nice twist, a nice twist.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it was the right game to have at the end of the night, uh, for, for ESPN and that broadcast, you know, you had, you had RJ, you had JJ Reddick on it. Mm-hmm. Um, the audio of their show was abysmal and too much complaining by those that were viewing, um, on TV and that weren't at the stadium, including myself, which was a bit of a, are you talking
1: about the the broadcast?
0: Yeah. The broadcast audio was terrible. really. Yeah. Yeah. What was happening? It just sounded like they were underwater for, for
1: part of it. Oh, you know what? I think I, I, last night when I got home, I wanted to go back and look at something and I turned it on and it sounded like crap. And I thought, eh, maybe it's my like TV screwed up or whatever. And then it corrected and I forgot about it. But now that you, now that you bring it up, uh I I did hear what you're talking about. That's I guess I guess they're still uh trying to work out the kinks themselves, right? Opening night. I guess yeah. we can give this giant corporation worth billions and billions of dollars the excuses they need to have it right on, <laughs> yeah on opening
0: night oh well it didn't it didn't stop JJ from plugging his pod within five minutes of ah. the game starting so that was naturally that was fun uh I'm a fan yeah. of old man in three it's a, it's a great show it's a, it is a good show what did uh What what was the vibe like after the fact because obviously it's not the result that the Spurs were hoping for first game you know not a lot of expectations for this team tons of young talent Um, exciting play from Devin Vassell. Myself, uh, I was really impressed with Trey Jones. I know he came off the bench. Um, Sohan's a guy that we've talked about via via text before and just um, (laughs) our optimism for his future, you know, as a guy that can become one of the pieces for the Spurs in the future. But what was the general feel and and vibe of of the team after the game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think everybody was sort of on on the level. This this isn't a team that is necessarily like it in the end you don't. And I know it's opening night, weird stuff can happen on opening night, but like at the end of the day, you expect a team like the Dallas Mavericks to be better than San Antonio. And you especially expect guys like Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving to close the game the way they did. And you right. even, even for this, you know, this demigod persona that we've seen out of Victor Wimbenyama and he can do no wrong. He's 19 years old and we saw him make a couple of mistakes down the stretch of the game. Even after he went on that little hot streak in the fourth quarter, we saw Keldon Johnson make a couple of mistakes. Jeremy Sohan got the ball poked out and, and ripped from behind. Like, but this is the youngest team in the NBA. The hardest thing to do in the sport is to finish close game. So I think just in general, Popovich was on the level. He, he said this, he wasn't upset by anything. He obviously is going to point out some of the things that they, that they did wrong. And, and, uh, the way they need to focus on his biggest thing. And it, it's always this thing, uh, is turnovers, right? Spurs turned the ball over a lot again, expected for a young team. Uh, you could tell that Wemby was, he was upset about the loss, but he still, st- you know, sat up there and answered questions for like almost 10 minutes. Cause he, he he's not used to, <laughs> he's not used to failing or losing in basketball, but he's sure. used to all the attention. Yeah. So, uh, he, he, he took it for what it was. Um, Devin Vassell was the same way post game, but yeah, I think, I think mostly on the level they, they wanted, they, they wanted to get a win, though. Uh, you could audibly hear, and it's always Keldon Johnson when you can hear someone very loud in the hallways. But you could, you could hear a, a very loud f bomb in the <laughs> halls, uh, going back to the locker room. So they wanted it. They wanted it. But I, I think just in general, they under they understand where they are.
0: What's up, everybody? Basketball is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up to minute stats, news, scores and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NBA and soon-to-be college basketball at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEV, that's BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Now back to the show. The pressure was more so on the Mavs in this game, in my opinion, just as far as like oh, sure. who needed to win this game, right? It, it what a statement it would have been if the Spurs had unseated the the Mavs in, in the first game of the season, especially after that first quarter dropping 43 points. Um right. you know, I, I still think it's not something that was lost on people watching that game. And I think most analysts who are kind of covering the NBA uh broad stroke. Are saying you know the Mavs same old same old right? They still can't defend mm. and they still didn't defend. But to me, I, I was really impressed with the Mavericks' new acquisitions um, and Grant Williams and Derek Lively. Of course, um, you know he he played basically better than any rookie did in the NBA uh, through their first game, which you got to love that if you're a Mavs fan, especially a Mavs fan who has been watching the center play, the front court play for for, for these teams for the last ten years after you know Tyson left us.
1: Um, of course he's now back. the glory days. Yeah, the, the, glory, the glory days. days. Tyson we often Chandler, re- you've ne- you've never been able to replace Tyson Chandler. Never Just tried so many times. Never,
0: but what a breath of fresh air it was for me to watch this yeah. team close the game out defensively in the last 2 minutes, take advantage of what they have that the Spurs don't quite yet have, which is that experience in the last 2 minutes of games and that identity of what they're going to do in those moments, right? And Luka had that steal on Sohan um, Mm -hmm. where he poked it out after the offensive rebound. Lively was on the floor. He had a crucial block on Keldon Johnson um, and a crucial offensive rebound, which turned into that Luka step back three, which kind of iced the game at the end. So yeah, that's not something that I've seen really from the Mavericks in the last two years in regards to the defense making the plays at the end or giving them an opportunity to get Kyrie and Luka the ball, which was promising.
1: So uh, the thing that that sticks out to me and and we actually had some text conversations about this, like the the Mavs, the concern I had about the Mavs is they have such high expectations yet. And and I actually liked what they did during the offseason. I thought they had some pretty heavy restrictions in place. There wasn't a bunch of flexibility. They couldn't do a ton, but you know, they, they were able to keep their pick. Forget that story at the end of last season, (laughs) they were able to keep their pick. I thought they uh, getting a guy like Derek Lively, Omax prosper. Like these are good additions for a team that needs an infusion of youth. But the big question was right. Like uh, is, is a team that's in this current state, where they want to win right now. If you're going to depend so much on young players, that just sort of spells trouble. And my reaction last night to Derek Lively was, holy crap, dude, that guy came shot out of a cannon. Like he was not tentative. A lot of big men are tentative when they start, uh, when they, you know, try to, get acclimated to the NBA. He was not reckless abandon, was... if anything, right? Like it, for sure, man, he was going all out. It yeah. was, it was great to see, especially for someone who um has had foul trouble issues already. Like we've seen it in, in preseason play. It was a concern coming out of uh coming out of Duke, but I'm pretty sure he just scored more points last night than he had in any single one game he, at
0: Duke. And he didn't have a double double his entire uh, freshman season. So he, he checked off two boxes that he didn't even get in college in his first NBA game, which uh, you just can't be excited enough. If you're a Mavs fan, I, I don't want to get too over my skis. Like I need to see that play (laughs) consistently, but just his tenacity, his willingness to go up, um, to protect the rim to, you know, get scored on by Zach Collins. And then on the consecutive possession offensively, he goes at him. Right, and he he, right. Ca- he caught a pass from Luca, and he had a nice um, finesse finish, as well as mm-hmm. you know catching a, a few lobs during the game, and of course Dwight Powell highly efficient in the pick and roll with Luca and with Kyrie. But it's it's a different threat, right? The verticality, the range of the balls that that Lively can catch. Um, I really felt like the the Mavs didn't miss a step, and they actually added a few things offensively from an identity standpoint. Um, Luca caught the ball off the pass more than I, I, you know, I had seen last year and he Mm -hmm. even started a couple of possessions like on the baseline where they had a down screen for him and, and, and got some secondary action. And then he was attacking with, you know, 12, 13 seconds left on the shot clock. So as far as first game offense, I was really impressed with the Mavericks. Now the defense is a, is a different story, but what did you, I felt like as, as efficient as the Spurs were, and I know that because his team is so young, Pop has a very, very loose leash right now. And as you said, his temperament throughout the game was pretty even-keeled. Did you Do you feel like there is some structural identity that needs to be found on offense from this Spurs team? And, and if so, I left the game kind of saying, well, I wish Trey had gotten in there earlier. And I almost mm-hmm. feel like when he's in there, it feels like things are flowing in a way that just aesthetically, like the basketball looks a lot more pleasing, and it looks a lot more directioned.
1: Well, first of all, I want to just um, I want to congratulate Mavs fans on on getting a glimpse of what it looks like when Luka Doncic plays off the ball for even just a couple of <laughs> possessions at a time. Foreign because <laughs> I, I know that that's the yeah, foreign that's foreign territory. It's a different concept. Um, you're you're potentially leaving the heliocentric world of, of Luka Doncic basketball. But, um, but yes, that would be, that would be cool because Luka Doncic is such a, a, he's such a freaking great player. Like he should be utilized in as many ways as possible, but either way. Um, I think that what, so San Antonio is trying some different stuff right now. Like they're going big with this lineup. Uh, we, Trey Jones is steady. He's smart. He knows he's, he has excellent timing with his teammates. He understands how to set guys up properly. He's probably destined to be a backup point guard long-term in the NBA as he is currently slated right now for San Antonio, but he has starting player potential or at least ability. Even I don't even want to say potential. Like the guy was a really productive player, um, in a down year for the Spurs last year when he was on the court, they were like okay. Yeah. They were not good. So much they like they his brother. Okay. So much like He's
0: his brother. He's a lot like his yeah. brother.
1: They're very, very similar. Like their skill sets are a little bit different, but they have the same sort of impact on right. the game. Um but the but the Spurs want to do the big thing and they want to figure out what they have. They're they're not they're going to try to win games this season. But they're not under the impression that they're going like for a title this year right. or anything right. like that. Right, of course. So they want to figure out what they have around Wimbenyama. They want to they want to figure out what he does as an individual well. Like you know what his skill set is and his talent level is and all of that stuff. But in terms of like utilizing him properly, they're still trying to figure that out. They're trying to figure out how these guys sort of mesh around him. Uh, but they really believe in Jeremy Sohan as a point guard type and yeah. whether or not he actually is that in the future. Like, look, man, the Spurs have a bunch of picks coming up, like for all this stuff about Wemby and Sohan and Devin Bissell, they have a lot of picks coming up and they could like, there's potential that they could have two more lottery picks uh next summer and maybe in a, in a, in a point guard heavy draft, by the way. So right. There's always the possibility that someone's going to come along that's going to, you know, take up that spot and that Sohan will move sort of to a different area of the floor. He's played everywhere in his brief one-year and one-game career. So I think in their minds, just as they did with him last year, get him, you know, expose him to all these different types of elements of the game because he's a very smart player. They have confidence he can absorb it put it into practice, do all that stuff. But I think they're very much right now in patience mode. Yeah. The Spurs have always been, uh, you know, we talk about uh, when you look back at like the, I can't believe it's like a decade ago, but you look back (laughs) at the team that won the, that won the finals last time in 2014, they, everything they did looked so complicated Because it was just like perfection across the board. But the reality is, is that Spurs basketball and the pop system has never really been that complicated. It's just a basic structure and they just play off each other. They've always really valued continuity movement. Um, passing all that stuff but it just takes a while for their guys to get the hang of it. Yeah. And I think that's what they're trying to implement again. They're trying to hit reset on what they've been in the past. And so at this point they understand how young they are, they understand that there's a lot of learning that has to be done. And so they're going to be patient. We'll we'll see more stuff uh filtered in over the course of the year like different packages put in place and everything like that, but for now, they they give them a basic structure and say, "Go play, figure this stuff out." We'll coach you along the way, but right. you're gonna have the opportunity to figure this out on your own.
0: Yeah, and it it felt like the at least what was the most like regimented plays that were drawn up ended up in you know high post touches or low post touches to Zach Collins. Yeah. Honestly, like that that was what seemed to be the only thing that was kind of scripted in the game for the Spurs. Um, I can't say that I've seen that many tough that many tough shots had to be made by a Spurs offense yeah. in comparison to ten years ago, where every shot that they're right. taking looks wide open or it's a it's an easy layup, you know, on a backdoor cut or whatever it ends up being. But and I thought that they mm-hmm. clearly made an effort to push tempo as well, and and with the length yeah. and with the the youth and the athleticism, I'm not not surprised by that. Um, and I think the Mavs did this a similar thing when Luca was not in the game and a little bit when he was in the game, which was refreshing to see.
1: But when they have Josh. Yeah, he ran a little bit. Like he was he was pushing the pace. Yeah. There was a there was an up-tempo uh style to the Mavs last night that was was one of those things that you've just kind of wanted to see for a while. And and I sort of get the restraints of their roster over the last several years and how everything was so predicated on just. Luca creating the advantage but like now you have the Kyries and you bring a guy like Grant Williams in. he's not some great offensive player but he is you know he, he can get some shots up you have a guy in Derek Lively who just wants to go run and jump which <laughs> is you want like that vertical lob threat next to uh someone like Luca or Kyrie Irving who yeah Command so much attention in the mid range and are so difficult to deal with out of the pick and roll. Like it's it's there's potential for it to be a cool team.
0: Yeah, Tim, who just wants to run and shoot, right? Like
1: right, and yes, he just wants to run and shoot. That's it. And and, but like last night, that helped them a lot. Like he kind of he got him back in the game. Yeah, exactly. Like the first quarter, he kind of saved their bacon a little bit. Um, but I do want to ask you though about the first quarter. Derek Lively didn't start. I feel like a lot of people expected Derek Lively to start I feel like a lot of Mavs fans and like I said I know a lot of Mavs fans who were probably really upset when that wasn't the case like here we go again with Jason Kidd but um Twitter was was
0: up in arms I will just I'll I'll simply say that yeah uh I I think it's mostly just like inconsistency and communication with the fan base and with Mavs media from from Kidd because All offseason, all we've heard is not only will Derek Lively be starting, but we might see Omax starting at at Mm -hmm. certain points. And I think based off of Omax's play in summer league, you might have said, okay, that actually tracks, but then you saw him in preseason and you were like, he's not quite ready yet. Right. He's right. He's not going to find the right spot on the floor every single possession, like Grant Williams does. And he's also not going to shoot at a near forty percent from three like Grant Williams does, and who shot over 50, I think over, he was 50, 40, 90 in, in the game against the Spurs, one game, small sample size, but sure. he's the type of, that's why we brought him in there. Right. And the versatility defensively that Omax doesn't have that same experience. Do I think that Omax in the high post, you know, playing defense on Derek live or not on Derek, Lively on Victor Wembanyama works? No. But do I think Grant Williams does early in this early in Vic's rookie season? Absolutely. Because he knows where to be, how to position his body, how to use his strength. um, so I, well, I we was, were, I mean, yeah. we were,
1: sorry, no, I'm, I was just going to say real quick on that. Like we were talking after the game, a, a couple of people in Spurs world, and even a couple of uh, Mavs folks who were there last night, like what is the kryptonite eventually going to be for Victor Wembenyama? Because like the Grant Williams got all up in him and he's a sturdy boy, yes. that Grant Williams. Yeah. He is a sturdy dude. And he knocked he knocked Victor off his base a few times. And the concern with Victor until he gets stronger and really figures out sort of where to place himself in these situations, like he's going to get pushed around. So guys like Grant Williams, who is like six, five, six, six at most, not, not the tallest guy in the world. Like, that that guy has but he nearly cr- a foot on him, but he's so strong and he so gets strong. up underneath him. So yeah, it causes I, problems.
0: And, and I would say like to anyone who w- is concerned about that, like Grant Williams also did that against Giannis in those series, uh, the, exactly. the Eastern Conference semis. And obviously Giannis is much broader and much stronger than, than Victor is right now. And probably than Victor ever will be um, just because their, their frames are different, right? He's got four yeah. inches on Giannis. Sure. And sometimes guys just have a knack for that, right? Like Grant's good at that, but he's not he's not great at staying in front of a guy like Trey Jones, right? Um right. And it reminds me of like Nick Collison, like he played Dirk so well when we would play the Thunder way back in the day, better than any other defender I, I would see on Dirk. And I don't know what it was, but I think it was the length. It was he had the anticipation, he knew his his shot, like he knew, he knew where the, where it was coming from and the angles, and and he just was really good against Dirk and he contained him, right? You 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 can only hope to contain him. That's what they say about the greats. But um I think Grant just right. kind of has a knack for guys like Vic and, and guys like Giannis, and and that happens. That happens,
1: dude. Spurs fans understand you perfectly because like you go all the way back. Oh, this is so long ago now. But but Malik Rose, who <laughs> is who was playing center for the Spurs you know at this point oh my god i mean yeah that's a deep, he was, like, deep matching cut. yeah well he's like there were playoff series where he was guarding shaquille o'neal and and doing a really damn good job for a guy who's 67 but he was the same thing just big strong sturdy can, can you don't it's difficult to post those types of players up and right. even in like with, with modern day san antonio and and Keldon Johnson isn't really this anymore because he's shifted a lot more to the perimeter and um, both defensively and offensively. But when he first started, he had a lot of like he had to size up and defend uh, fours because he was six, five, two thirty plus. And now he's down to two twenty, maybe um, and, and they're trying to get him away from stuff like that. He really hasn't defended the post a whole lot in the last couple of years. But like Spurs fans are totally familiar with the the relatively speaking, of course, like shorter guys yeah. who just have some some girth and can't yeah. bother the guys who want to who want to put their back to the basket or who want to face up. Like they, yeah, very familiar with the, those types for sure.
0: Yeah, and, and just circling back to your kind of initial question about the starting lineup for the maps I would say oh yeah I was I was surprised to see Derek Jones Jr. in there I I wasn't necessarily surprised to see Maxie because without Dwight Powell available like the veteran who knows the the, the defensive scheme that kid wants to run like it is Maxi. between the years he's got it you know he he's played a lot of NBA basketball at this point in his career, as we were talking about maybe too much NBA basketball at this point, maybe he's on his way <laughs> out a little bit, but once Dwight Powell gets healthy, um, once Josh green gets fully healthy, Jaden Hardy's in the mix. Like you're not going to see a lot of Derek Jones jr. And you're going to see less and less of Maxi Kleba. I expect um, Richwan Holmes didn't play in this game. I think, you know, there will be points in the season where he gets a shot at kind of running as the backup big for Derek lively, but more than anything for the Mavs' starting lineup, I think we learned that Lively has to be starting. And that the best five, in my opinion, for the Mavs is Luka, it's Kyrie, it's Grant Williams, it's Josh Green or Tim, depending on who's having the better game, and then it's Lively, Mm -hmm. right? And that five is one that I'm pretty confident in, uh, honestly.
1: I mean, they just showed a lot. You you mentioned that they gave up 43 points in the the first quarter. Well, the Spurs only scored 119 for... The entirety of the game like their their defense really picked up and I don't think it was any coincidence that it coincided or you know it coincided with lively starting to get minutes and I I also just think like when what it what it looked like to me at first and and I I didn't I actually didn't ask about this I probably should have but what it looked like was that they were trying to you know spread the or or spread their guys out try to pull victor away from the paint try to get him away from the paint defensively to where he wasn't that major threat that like we all know that he is as a shot blocker yeah the pro. the problem with him is that he kind ca- he can defend like a full half of the court uh, yeah it, it, yes like, within the three-point line so like he can defend the 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 low volume uh offensive threat in the corner that the other team is trying to hide and he can still defend the paint or he can stay at the level on top of like dropping back he can just with his length he can cover so much ground and and I feel like there was a certain point where kid was like let's get lively in here see what he can do you know create the vertical threat that's gonna be able to put pressure on the rim and yeah. see where it goes from there and then lively started the second half like it was clear what the answer was at that it- point
0: and it made the game much more challenging for, for Zach at that point. I, I felt yeah, yeah. like, um, who I thought was yeah, really his,
1: Zach's Zach's big, his weakness defensively is, is the, the dudes who can jump. He's not a bad athlete. He it's not, he's a big dude. He's, you know, he's seven feet tall, 250 pounds. <laughs> uh, he's got decent length, but like the guys who can really jump, especially out of the pick and roll as lob threats, they give him trouble. You can throw it up there over the top and you have a good chance of, of beating him to the ball. So yeah, he, he definitely did have issues with, with lively. And especially as they, as they started working that pick and roll.
0: Yeah. Was there anything uh, you were surprised that the Spurs did last night or any, any personnel that, that put up surprising performances or did it all kind of, fit into what you had seen in the preseason heard around the locker room
1: yeah no i i think everything sort of i i think this was a little bit of an extension from the preseason yeah even including like even including like they they were scoring big points with that starting group that big group early in games um it's so hard to not the the main group did not play uh, in crunch time or at the end of games or anything like that. So it was kind of impossible to know what they would look like at that point. So I don't think that there was a a, a big surprise. Maybe uh, when Benyama got gotten a little bit of foul trouble during the preseason, but considering what we saw of him during the preseason. And I think this is all relative because it's just based on like what your expectations of the guy were, how yeah. high they were, but like, the way that the Mavs attacked his body really got into him. Like they, they, they tried to make uh, things physical for him. And I thought that they really succeeded. And we've talked about it a little bit, but getting him off his base offensively, but also attacking him at the rim. Yeah. Not, not just getting into the short mid range and like getting cute with it because you saw him throw like 10 different people's shots during the preseason. Anytime they tried something, uh, soft in the painted area. He, he'd knock it out of there, but they were, they were aggressive. And I, yeah. and I thought that there was a little, maybe a little bit of a, of a shock to the system there for, for Victor and, uh, probably some people watching that, like they really got into him and, and made him pay for some, uh, you know, whether it was a mistake, uh, a mental mistake, uh, you know, a, a schematic mistake, just not, paying attention to a certain something or, or not respecting something enough, just little things. But I think the quick foul trouble and not just in the first quarter, but like he was committing fouls all the way through the, all the way through the third quarter. Like he checked back into the game with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. He had five fouls. Um, And of course he, he had nine points in three minutes after that. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that there was certainly a welcome to the NBA We're we're going to come after you. Like there was that sort of element where the team was like, we're going for, we're going after this guy. We're targeting him. We're not going to like mess around with this stuff. Make it cute. We know that if we don't get into his body, if we allow him space, he's going to make us pay on both sides of the floor. So I thought that was a little bit, at least a little bit surprising.
0: Yeah. I, I think that, you know, over the course of the next 10 to 15 games, I would be surprised if other opposing offenses didn't do a similar thing and attack him, right. um, go straight to the basket, right? Be aggressive with and physical with their drives as opposed to relying on step backs when he's in isolation defense against wh- whoever the ball handler is. No floaters, no step backs against that guy, right? That's where he right. wins. But I, I think the Mavs, to, to their personnel credit, Luca, Kyrie, Tim Hardaway, they, especially Tim Hardaway, when they drive, they, a lot of times they're straight line drives, right? And they want to get all mm-hmm. the way to the cup and they don't want to settle. Maybe Kyrie a little bit more with the, the pull-ups, but we saw in the first quarter what happened when he tried to pull up and Vic was in, he was yes. a help side defender and that's where the length comes into play. I, I'm not even sure Kyrie
1: saw him. I don't think like he I, did. I feel, I feel like Kyrie got to the free throw line, rose up and and Vic's hand just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I think that that kind of, that it's almost like even we're not nba players but as like i've played basketball but like i have this 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 thought in my head where it almost feels counterintuitive when i see the giant guy in front of me to like really attack the rim it 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 feels like that <laughs> you, you you see a guy that big in your way and you're like i don't want to go anywhere near that when the reality is you probably should because if you can get him off his face you want you him off the body. court that's what you want you right want you, right court. exactly
0: so yeah. you get into him and you make him foul you or, or you know you force the issue with the referees and i i thought the mavs did that very savvily uh yeah. yesterday i also think that look for any spurs fans listening he is in help side defense a lot there are very few players in the nba that can read help side coverage like luka doncic can and when i say there are very few I'd even, I'd redact that and say, there is no one that can read help side <laughs> coverage like Luka Doncic. If you if you rewatch that game, and, and I plan to, just because I, I love watching Luka play, and it's one of the best games I think I've seen him play. Um, And to see that, you know, in year six, first game, that maturation, and really coming to that first game ready to play is is encouraging as a as a Mavs fan. Um, As soon as Vic turns his head in help side, he's in the post and he's attacking. He is, mm-hmm. he is moving towards the basket. He's moving towards the paint. And, I, you know, I, we, again, talking about their text back and forth about Sohan. I'm a guy that's a, a really like, I'm a staunch believer in that guy. I think he's got a really bright future, but Luca was playing with that guy like a yo-yo last night.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yep. This is, this is whatever. This is the fifth time these teams are, I guess neither Sohan nor, um, uh, Luca played in the final game against the, the final Spurs Mavs game. Right. But I wrote an article about it last year, man. And like the, the story art had Luca shooting or someone, I can't remember exactly who it was. It might've been Luca, but Sohan on his butt, like sliding backwards after having been like shook. And it, look, I, I'll, I'll give it to, to Sohan for like truly immediately as a 19 year old rookie and now a 20 year old sophomore, like truly embracing the role of guarding the best player on, on every team. But he, it it, you're right. Like he just Luca is nasty with everyone, but it is particularly entertaining to watch guys like him, like truly teach the young dudes. (laughs) Lessons, right? Because it is a and, very welcome a to the NBA thing to have to defend Luka Doncic, right?
0: But it, it, I think it's worth noting, like you mentioned, you know, he's 19 now. He's what? Well, he's 20 now, right? So 20, him, yeah. Lucas 24, but he's this is yeah si- this is his sixth year in the NBA. You know, like it makes a big it's difference. Crazy
1: that he's 24. Yeah, it's crazy that he's only 24. Like it feels like he's been around for a decade, but only 24. <laughs> the guy's incredible. He's I know. Incredible. I know. So you guys have who? You've got the
0: Rockets. But the next Rockets yeah.
1: on, uh yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. So Friday night. Um, I and I think that, you know, this this whole thing with Wembenyama, and this really young Rockets team. It's funny. We just talk about Luka Doncic, like he's so young. It feels like he's been around for forever. And Kyrie's on that team, and all this stuff. That I think a lot of Spurs fans are like, well, th- the Mavs rivalry that that can come later because they're they're out in front of us. Like you know, this is Spurs fans talking like. They're out in front of us. Yeah. They're they've accomplished more, all this stuff. But Spurs fans, I think at this point, are like looking at the Rockets like these mother bleepers. Like you we we all saw, you know, Victor Wimbanyama fist pump when the Rockets were called fourth um on draft night. There's just this, like, there was already this sort of simmering hatred that was being reestablished. Right. Like we're coming up together.
0: We're coming up together. Who's going to, yeah. Outleg the other. Right. And obviously Vic gives such an advantage to the Spurs. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting how I feel about both those teams as a Mavs fan. And, and I, you know, we, we get to the Western conference finals two years ago. So I do feel like we're further along both teams, both adversaries were, our biggest rivals in the 2000s right i i think i disliked the spurs more um but that's because they were the better team i also right. liked watching the spurs a lot more than i liked watching the rockets <laughs> yeah. um although when mcgrady and Yao did beat us in that series that was that was really tough for us
1: um <laughs> that was that was brutal man i watched that i watched that series with uh mavs and rockets fans uh that i went to school with and oh that thing was nasty that thing was nasty
0: yeah McGrady baptizing Sean Bradley I'll never be able to get that out of my head yeah
1: Yeah. same here man same here and I had no rooting interest it was just it's it is it is burned it is seared into the back of my eyelids basically
0: yeah but I hope that I don't know I feel like the the general vibe right now and I'm sure some Mavs fans would disagree with me and they're probably like no we hate both of them is that (laughs) it, it it seems like a fun kind of competition like a fun rivalry that's that's brewing now between the Spurs and and the Mavs, which is good because you've got Luka, you've got Wemby. Maybe there's a little bit more animosity. I know some people were making a bit of a deal about Vic not shaking Luka's hand at the end of the game, but I don't, uh, I, don't I don't read so, into that at all. But what I do you think see, about it?
1: I did see Victor just walk straight to the tunnel. Man, I just think he's a competitive dude. Yeah. Um, I, I do have a feeling. I, I think, so here has been my read on Victor Wembanyama so far in terms of like, because I we're, we exist in an NBA where everyone is really friendly with each other right now, and right. we and we really like hyper analyze the handshakes after games sure. and stuff like that. Victor seems to be sort of cut from the old school cloth. Like he, I mean, like the very first game they played during the preseason, he went into Ched Holmgren with a headbutt and put the ball in, knocked him on his butt, and flexed on him. And yeah. then just turned around, and later in the game, he knocked Holmgren to the ground. Typically, you are seeing NBA guys like help one another up. He just turned around. He didn't stare at him. He didn't stand over him or anything like that. He just turned around and walked away. Like w- the one thing that's been really clear about about Banyama is he wants to. He is competitive as hell, and he wants to win. And I think that that I think that's really similar uh, to Luca. And I think Luca might at least so far, we haven't seen what Victor what what Victor is capable of in this capacity, but Luca has that element of of really just kind of getting under people's skin. Oh, he loves Um, the FU. That's his stuff. He loves it. Yeah. So so yeah, I think this I think it could be fun. I, I think that these guys are I, going to be respectful of one another. I don't know if yeah. it's ever going to be like Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, we hate each other type sure, of type sure. of thing. But like, um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I, I, and I real quick want to go back to something you just said about like how there's sort of this more friendly rivalry between the Spurs and the Mavs now. I swear to God, and this is just this is my theory that. Look man, I was around a whole bunch of Mavs fans. I know how much they hated the Spurs, but there became this like mutual respect yeah. as Tim Duncan and Dirk Nowitzki got older. And people started becoming nostalgic and valuing the memories and stuff like that of all these great battles. They see the Spurs put up like you know whenever Dirk retired, like their incredible tribute at the AT&T Center. They see what um, you know what these guys mean to each other and to each other's careers. I just think that there became like this sort of mutual respect, especially. Like, I'm I'm sure that I, I think that there are a bunch of Spurs fans out there who, once the Mavs won a title, they're like, "Welcome to the club! Like, you're in the club. You earned this, Dirk. You, like, you got past all it, whatever Spurs fan." made fun of him for being soft and all that stupid narrative stuff earlier in his career. Like, like maybe it went by the wayside a little bit. Or him getting
0: the, and one call on, on Bowen at the end of that game that he may or may not have been fouled on. Like I I get it, but.
1: Oh, Manu. Manu. Was it Manu? It was Was Manu. It It was Manu. And, and I don't know if that one was what created respect because. I I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was... that was killer, man. That was killer. But yeah, I think I think that there is a lot, especially if if Dallas, if I'll say this if Dallas sticks with this plan of going young, not jumping the gun, even though I know it's really difficult to do so because Luca is 24, but he wants to win. So you can't like slow play it too much. He's already been in this thing for long enough. He just his new contact uh, contract just kicked in, right? Yeah, like he's got four years left. Yeah, okay. So, so like if if they're all on the same page, and he's and Luca's good with that, like they have a chance to. And by (laughs) this is the biggest factor, the Mavs front office doesn't overreact and they keep and they stay steady and they don't go chasing free agents and stuff like that. But I do, I just. Luca's young enough at this point to, um, to look at this sort of Texas Triangle between the Spurs, Rockets, and Mavs um, as something that could be real yeah. in the future again, yeah. again, and it would be great.
0: I I think so. I'm cool if the Rockets never never climb up the <laughs> ranks of the ladder. I will say I think I think they could turn heel really quick with Ime at they the could, helm, man. Dylan Brooks chirping nonstop, Fred. Can get into that uh the antagonistic bulldog mentality too like all their young
1: guys seem they 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 seem oh, angry it's both just, thompson it's...
0: brothers have that old school mentality i firmly believe they that. do yeah
1: they do to cam whitmore's uh, got a massive chip on his shoulder like the the spurs have played uh two games against the the rockets already during the preseason jeremy sohan has already gotten into it with Amin thompson twice Got into it uh with Cam Whitmore once. Uh and granted, this is very much Jeremy Sohan's thing. He loves to get under the skin of people, yeah. but like we've already seen these young guys like Dylan Brooks and uh and Zach Collins, both hotheads, uh got technicals like immediately in the first game they played. So because they pushed each other, it shouldn't probably shouldn't have been a technical on either, but regardless, like that Rockets team. Uh, is full of dudes who can, like you said, turn heel real quick. Yeah. Um. That's and that's just kind of like the the Houston vibe, right? I feel like everyone there is just angry. And, yeah. And I don't well, care you, who hears well, it. You, I think everyone is.
0: I know you're, and I won't. I won't make a big deal of this, but I know you were an <laughs> Astros fan. And oh
1: yeah, I'm an Astros fan. Yeah. 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 So
0: I I feel like the the sentiment right now just kind of like overflowing from that alcs is like they're pissed right now you know and they're they're upset and frustrated and i get it um i myself as a rangers fan am, am very excited and happy about being in the world series but what first off what an epic series that was unbelievable yeah, it was fun. i wish it was fun. i wish more people watched baseball and got to see what a historic rivalry that has always been and what an incredible series and what incredible talent was displayed in that series um yeah but i know that i, I know houston and it just, they just get pissed off at everything else that other Texas teams do.
1: Very pissed off. You know, I'm not, I lived in Houston for a few years, but like, I'm not a Houstonite. I've I've been an Astros fan my whole life. So like, it was, it, it's been cool to see them do what they've done. I I just can't imagine being like super upset by them losing because at this point I'm like, I never thought I'd see them ever win a World Series, let alone making it to like seven straight, ALCSs and whatever. Crazy. Um and then of course the whole big scandal uh, story on the sideline like that's obviously not fun. Uh wish that wouldn't have ever happened, but at the same time like hey, okay, actually no, I'll be real honest here. You you mentioned that you mentioned the Rangers it's always been a rivalry, but it's never been, like, elevated to this point. They've never played each other in the postseason. Well, it's because they,
0: they weren't in the same division, right? So, yeah, growing up. They weren't up, in the same league. I right, mean, they weren't right. in the same league. Right. That's so, a yeah. great point. Great point. But it was yeah, always so- the league play, that rivalry, because I used to go to the ballpark in Arlington when the Astros would come into town. And yeah. the Astros, I mean, growing up early two thousands, like the Astros owned the Rangers for the most part. The they yeah. sucked, right? Like, yeah, they would get big prospects and then they would ship them out. A Rod, Mark Teixeira, <laughs> uh, Chris Davis, you know, like it again and again and again. Right. Adrian Gonzalez, um, and Berkman would all, you know, Berkman and Biggio <laughs> and, and Bagwell. They would eat us alive, and especially at home. So yeah. it was it was ironic that the the series played out once again where both teams dominated each other at their opposing ballpark which was wild but i have nothing nothing but praise and adulation for dusty
1: baker he's yeah he's he's a legend yeah i didn't like when all that that mess happened and he came on board i was like really like another kind of retread even though i really respected dusty baker like i just wasn't we had like the the astros had just been in this you know very analytic driven approach and i've seen it like we saw it with the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, get the nerds out of here and bring in the Calangelos. And I'm like, and and I'm like, please don't do this with the Astros. Like th- there's an actual successful product here. Like this team is really good. It's really deep. Like forgetting all the scandal stuff, like they've built this incredible, incredibly talented system. Don't yeah. do this. But Dusty was perfect. He was perfect. Sometimes you just um, need the
0: cool, calm, collected manager it, that trusts his gut. That's it.
1: That's exactly right. It's the that's same exactly thing. Exactly right. Same thing
0: with Bochi in in Texas. Um,
1: yeah. Great addition, man. Yeah, no yeah. question. I just I want to say though, I want to say I was I didn't I wasn't a huge fan of. I mean, the Astros just weren't really like they weren't what they have been in the past years. This season, like they could not win at home. They were below 500 during the regular season. The pitching, and, was, it just wasn't and, the same. And the starting pitching wasn't the same. And so I was like resigned to this idea of like, okay, you know, maybe get through the first round, get to another league championship series. That'll be great. And then it's the damn Rangers. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I was so ready to not be invested anymore. Yeah. I was so ready to just be like, whatever happens to the Astros happens to the Astros this season, but it had to be the damn Rangers and I had to get invested and it's it's um yeah I don't my my like I grew up a Spurs fan but my fandom was broken like I, I covered one of the first jobs I had was covering the Spurs during those finals I was in Miami when Ray Allen uh hit the shot against them and like so and and I am uh journalism major all this stuff I understand the objectivity and so I just got to a point where it was like I'm broken I cover this team objectively don't care about the wins and losses all of that stuff just don't care but now I want team success I want these guys you know the city to feel it I want you you want to ha- cover happy teams all this stuff it no, just you want to cover better when teams you, you want to yeah. cover good teams you want to cover good teams it just makes it all it, it just makes it all better. But Dude, when we're talking Astros and sadly, and it is not something I'm proud of as you're wearing a Longhorns hat, Texas Tech, I can't I can't break away from my fandom. I cannot I cannot just quit them and say I don't care if they lose because I do. And the Rangers winning Oh, I'm not rooting for the Rangers in the World Series. I'm not, I don't I'm not think, ashamed to say it. I don't, I don't I'm, think I'm any I'm rooting Astros for fans Arizona.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that boat. Although yeah. I, w- I will say, one, you can take some solace with the fact that Josh Young went to Texas Tech and is a Red Raider. That's
1: cool. Of course. Yeah. And he's then cool he's a, he's a it's a very cool story, Josh Young. Yeah. Like that guy a lot.
0: And then the other thing that I thought was funny, I, I saw somewhere on Twitter last night that um I think it was like when you draft Victor Wen Wimb- it was like a meme, basically. And it was like when you draft Victor Wembanyama, but Derek Lively outplays him in the first game. And it was a, <laughs> and it was a photo of those, those two Astros fans at game seven who were in the Astros costume sitting next to each yes. other. And yes. I was like, Oh, this is, this is rough for anyone that's a Spurs <laughs> and Astros fan. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> but oh, that was uh, that, that one made me laugh. There was another one that ESPN did that had like, uh, Altuve, like on a rocket going out of the stadium. Um, I can't remember who was waving goodbye, which Rangers player was waving goodbye to him, but that one made me laugh. I don't know, man. It's just, it. sports are fun. They're so fun. fun. So
0: fun. Yeah. This was really fun
1: too, man. Uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to get back on the mic next time the Mavs and the Spurs play. Obviously anyone listening knows that that happens a couple of times during the regular (laughs) season of the NBA. Uh, Go check out Small Market Bias. Make sure to to like, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Same thing with Believe in Mavs, uh, Felton Toss. Normally, I am joined by former Maverick and former NBA veteran point guard Raymond Felton. Uh, Go check us out on social as well. If you're watching this, you, you see our handles right there. Matt, super fun, man. Excited to see what the Spurs do the rest of the season. I am rooting for them when I'm not rooting for the Mavs until we, oh, wow. we play each other in the western conference finals for 3 years in a row and then at that point <laughs> i will have much distaste i'm sure for the spurs and victor Wimpanyama and all that you stuff you can start hating again yeah, yeah no yeah.
1: i i understand yeah. no man i'm i you know i think we talked about the we talked about the rivalry stuff there there's a real good chance that um here in the next couple of years that thing could be reunited uh, reignited and it'll be it'll be a lot of fun it would it really would be cuz basketball is great when rivalries are good Basketball is great when the Texas teams are all good. It's, yep. just, a, it's just a better sport. I'm, I'm fully convinced of that. 100%. Screw the big markets. Hence my name. Small market bias. It's right there <laughs> in the title. It, it's, it's better. And Dallas is a big market. San Antonio is not. Houston is a big market. San Antonio is not. But when they're all three, very good. It's a lot of fun to watch. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block.